Hi, I'm Chris Brown, Fleet Group Editor at Bobbitt, and welcome to the next episode of Fast Forward Interview Series. In this episode, I connect with two experts from Edison Energy. Edison Energy consults with large corporate and industrial clients to help them manage energy and sustainability. Today, I'll talk to Megan Weinman, Managing Director of Transportation Electrification, and Kyle Manahan, Senior Manager, Distributed Energy Solutions. We'll discuss how fleets with EVs can prepare themselves for natural disasters and other times when the grid goes down. Okay, well, Kyle, Megan, welcome to this edition of Fast Forward Video Series. Thanks so much for having us. Appreciate you, Chris. Sure thing. Great. Hey, well, let's get right into it. You know, so fleets are looking to electrify, right? And and in this transition, I mean, I think some eyebrows might have been raised with uh, Hurricane Ian and grids going down. And and really, it's about when, when electrifying, I mean, how do you have enough energy so you can keep those vehicles on the road when the power goes out? Who wants to start with that one? Yeah, well, maybe I'll come at it first from more of a, a fleet perspective and a transportation perspective, and then um, I'll have Kyle come in too to think about more of the, the energy perspective as well. So when we're, uh, we work with a lot of fleets and organizations as they're making that transition to electric vehicles and charging is one of the biggest questions that we get from those organizations. Um, and especially when you're thinking about how do I think about it at my facility? How do I think about energy? How do I think about resiliency? The way that we like to, to look at it, especially with the fleet transition, is that you're not going to just flip a switch and convert your entire fleet to electric. It's going to be a transition. It's going to be over time. And you're going to do it kind of chunk by chunk of your, of your fleet. So let's say maybe you, you electrify 10% of your fleet in the first year. So if you have a 100 vehicle fleet, you're only converting 10 vehicles. So that means that you still have 90 gas vehicles in your fleet. And so when we're thinking about a fleet transition, if you only have 10% of your fleet electrified, you still have a 90% gas fleet and you already have resiliency baked into the into the um, into your fleet already. And so really when you're thinking about how do you charge the vehicles? Most of the time, you're probably going to be charging your vehicles at a depot or at your facility. Um, you're really going to, you're going to, if you're, if the power goes out at your facility, the range of your electric vehicles, similar to the range of a gas vehicle, will get, be able to get you to a charging station. So if the power is out in, in your area or your neighborhood, you'll be able to drive the 25 miles to be able to get to power and to be able to get to charging. The same that you would have to do with it with a gas vehicle as well, especially if the power goes out at a gas station. So the other thing that we think about too, in terms of how we think about planning for a fleet transition is, how do you really think about you know, what's, what's happening at your facility and how you might have an integrated solution when you're thinking about, um, thinking about that fleet transition? And maybe I'll just have Kyle briefly speak about just how to think about some of the, some of the on-site options that you might have when you're thinking about, um, when you're thinking about resiliency. Thanks, Megan. So fleet managers are very comfortable with having gas on hand. It's a tank, you've got gas. You've got a pump that can fill up a, a traditional gas fleet. I believe in the future, fleet managers will become very comfortable with energy storage batteries on site, providing the corollary to that gas tank uh, to charge their EVs in the case that a grid goes down. Therefore, having backup power on site for your EVs 
um, to make it that 25 miles to get to a grid supported EV charger. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, is the, um, generally when we have power outages, are they localized enough that, you know, it's 25 miles away that you can access either gas or, you know, electric? Yeah. So typically the uh, electric utility, the, the one, the, the organization that provides power to, to the grid, um, you know, it, it's exactly that it's a grid. So it's, it's a network in the way that it's designed. And so there's various layers and levels of the grid of you have circuits and then you have, you know, distribution and then you have transmission. So all of those have layers that, that make up the grid itself. So the way that the grid is, is set up is ideally you can have the least amount of system failures as possible with the grid so that if power does go out in one circuit or in one area that you have another place that power can still be delivered. So, you know, that that's at least the way that, you know, it, you know, you might hear in some places that a lot of utilities are planning for self-healing grids for ways that they can actually deliver power um, when there is when there is power outages. Those things are in development right now. But to your question, Chris, it is that it is set up in a way so that there can be a minimum impact of power outages. Now, hurricanes and other sort of natural disasters are potentially a different case in which you might have a, mu a much wider um, kind of power outage or a much wider impact. In those cases, what we're seeing is far more um, opportunity to have other power sources, what we call distributed energy resources, which are um, solar systems, which are the solar power systems or battery, um, battery storage systems, which are stationary storage systems um, that can store energy when the, when the power goes out. And so having those distributed energy resources, um, solar and batteries can really make it so that when the power does go out, you can still stay up and running at your facility and be able to power your fleet. To add to that, if we're looking at a catastrophic event, getting a fleet up and running may be relatively low priority. There may be an opportunity for the utility to leverage a fleet's EVs through a virtual power plant to help the community get a hospital up and running or emergency services out to help the catastrophe um, recover so that the grid can get back and you can get back to full operation. Yeah, I mean, I guess we need to look at it, too, because I think, you know, fleet managers are just going to say, see cost upon cost, right? What you're going to have to have this resiliency with distributed energy, you know, and, and, and sort, of, sort of power cube type thing. But I mean, I guess it's the same way that we look at it with gas as well. I mean, there was that cost baked in for, you know, the on-site fuel tanks, right? Is that one way to look at it? Yeah, so I mean, it, it, it's in some ways that, that same piece of it, whether you're thinking about using your vehicle as a V to G or vehicle to grid, as we are thinking about our virtual power plant, or if you're having a separate battery storage system, it's almost like the same as you're, you're creating what we call sometimes a microgrid, or in other cases, it's like having a gas station at your facility. So you have you have that own sort of standalone system that, that can power your vehicle, even when the power does go out. Sure. And I mean, when we look at, um, 
vehicle to grid, there is going to be some challenges in disaster situations, right? I mean, could you go through those in terms of like how you're using your vehicles to power a, a building or to actually use them in the service of helping? It's just right. I mean, with V to G, it's not so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, the one thing that we when we were working with fleets, talking with fleets, especially those that have emergency response vehicles or re emergency response responsibilities, um, they, you know, you want to be able to make sure your vehicle, whether it is gas or electric, is able to, you know, do the duties that are required for that emergency response. So in those cases, what we find, you know, while there is a lot of excitement about the ability for um, your vehicle to power a facility, you want to make sure that you can actually do the emergency response or the transportation oriented duties that are required of that vehicle. So in that case, you know, most of the time within, within emergency response, like there might be some requirements for longer distances, but for the most part, most emergency response is localized. It's within a shorter driving distance, the driving distance of an actual electric vehicle um, battery range, the one that's in the, in the car itself. And so in those cases, you want to make sure that the vehicle can actually go out and, and um, respond to emergencies and be able to actually be used as a transportation asset. Sure. Um, I, I, you know, I wanted to circle back around on one thing to make it clear and then kind of just talk maybe generally about grid resiliency and, and how that's kind of coming together. But I, I guess really for fleets, I mean, for fleets that are looking to electrify a, a decent portion of their fleet really building this distributed energy or this ability to not have to rely on the grid at certain times. How important is that going to be to part of the plan that they're going to put forth to executive leadership? Is that, I mean, it depends on application. Can some, can some, um, you know, fleets not have to worry about that or should they all really be worrying about some form of that? Do you want to take that one? I mean, it's it's kind of goes back to the, I'll, I'm going to call on Kyle for most of this, but it goes back to that that planning and making sure that like when your fleet is only 10% electrified, 20%, probably even 30% electrified, you're still going to have a predominantly gas fleet. And so you don't necessarily have to worry about a lot of that on-site planning because you already have vehicles that can meet the needs of emergency response or other, other critical needs. But as you're starting to go to a more and more electrified fleet, you are going to want the organization that is thinking about this transition is going to want to think about more of those distributed energy opportunities and the way to integrate on-site solar and storage. So maybe Kyle, do you want to talk a little bit more about just like how in a fleet transition, an organization can also think about integrating those other sort of energy generation and energy storage opportunities? Absolutely. So you can take your energy uh, into your own hands with a solar plant and a, and a storage facility. A great uh, kind of, I think it's gonna be an amazing case study. Looking at Ian is Babcock Ranch. Uh, a hurricane hit that, that, that little town and they had solar and they're up and running um, the whole time, right? Um, so, yes, correct. Okay, yeah. So if a fleet, had that type of microgrid setup where they have solar and they have batteries, they can remain operational despite the grid going down, utilities not being able to distribute energy. Um, and that can be useful, whether that's 
a catastrophe, an natural disaster, or rolling brownouts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, great points. Um, sort of last kind of general question, um, you know, big picture on utilities ability to manage the amount of EVs coming. I mean, what is your assessment on how that's progressing? Are we going to hit a, you know, an inflection point that's going to be this awful aha moment where we can't, or is it going to be kind of a gradual transition where we think we're going to, we think we're going to get there? I would say that in the same way that, you know, we were just talking about how fleets should transition over time, utilities are doing that same planning exercise. So where we are today with the number of vehicles, electric vehicles are on that are on the roadway, utilities can meet that need, can meet that, that power requirement, no problem. Like that is something that they can meet today. Um, are there certain, you know, projects or large scale programs where a utility might have to bring in new, um, new capacity to that facility? Sure, that is the, that is the case, but it's, it's very limited. So overall, the grid can handle the amount of electrification that is, that is out there today. The one thing that they are doing, utilities are doing, is that they're planning for the future. So they are, they have a planning process. Anybody can go and see this. It's called an integrated resource plan. Every single utility has to do this. And so what they what they're saying um, is that they plan, you know, over a time horizon. So for the next year, for the next five years, for the next 10, 20, 30 years, they're looking out to see based on what we're seeing in terms of the amount of growth that is happening and the amount of energy that's required to meet that needs to be met. How are we planning for that? How are we providing new generation? How are we delivering new power um, to our customers? And so that's something that they're doing and electric vehicles are part of that planning. Every Almost every integrated resource plan that I've seen has an electric vehicle component because they realize that this is coming. They realize it's something that they're gonna have to plan for and something that they're gonna have to be delivering power to their customers for. Sure. Kyle, you wanna have the last word? Sure. As the grid needs more electricity, we're gonna see more solar, more wind come online to meet that demand, which is an amazing thing. And you're gonna see energy storage come in to help levelize that, that use. So as we see vehicles switch from gas to electricity, hopefully we see a renewables uh, you know, power plant power these vehicles. Uh, and, and the utilities are seeing this and planning accordingly, as Megan said. Great. Yeah. Well, uh, Kyle, Megan, thank you for joining us. Really great information um, and really appreciate your time today.